In Exodus 32, verse 29, Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. May the grace, mercy, and peace of our God give you a zeal for the Lord that sets you apart for him from the world. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, peace and prosperity preachers, that is, preachers that tell you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear from God's word, are not a new thing. They certainly fill pulpits and airwaves and shelves of bookstores in our day and age, but they were also around at the time of Jeremiah as well. And what did they preach? Well, our Old Testament text tells us. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. These are preachers who do not preach against sin, who do not call people to repentance, who want people to feel good about themselves and that proclaim the lie that God loves you just the way you are in your sin, the very same sin that Jesus went to the cross to die for. I think it's safe to say that nothing makes God angrier than that. Because God wants the truth proclaimed. The truth that sin is sin. That judgment is coming. And that you're not okay the way you are. That you need to give up your false gods, your sinful ways, and trust in him and in him alone. That's the word that Jeremiah proclaimed. But then, just like today, it's the other message that's more popular. More popular because it's easy on the ears. It's what people want to believe, even if we're honest with ourselves, you and me. But it is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. In other words, God's word is not some self-help book or a book to affirm you and build up your self-esteem. It's challenging. It's convicting. A fire to burn off the sins and impurities in your life. A hammer to break your hard and stony heart. So that the water of baptism, the word of forgiveness, and the body and blood of the Lord raise you to and keep you in a new life, a right life as a child of God. That is what God wants. That's what truly matters. Because if churches are full, but the word of God is not preached, what good would that be? But if the word is preached, then even Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. That is the background for the words that we heard from Jesus today in the gospel text. And like I said earlier, those are some very difficult words from Jesus. Words that bother a lot of people when they hear them. Maybe they even bothered you a little bit this morning when you heard them. They're words that make Jesus sound like a homewrecker and a fourth commandment breaker, dividing homes and families. 
But here's the thing, with Jeremiah in the background, when Jesus says that he has not come to bring peace on earth, he's basically saying, I did not come to be one of those kind of preachers you can hear on TV. You've had them, you still have them, but I'm not one of them, Jesus says. I didn't come to tell you you're okay the way you are. I didn't come to make you feel good about yourselves and resolve your family disputes. I didn't come to make you comfortable in your sin and your sinful ways. I came to tell you the truth, to cast fire of God's word on the earth, a fire to purify, strengthen, and save. Because the truth is, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you're not okay. It's not okay that you fear, love, and trust other people and other things more than your heavenly father. It's not okay that you give God a bad name by calling yourself a Christian and then not living like one. That you don't call upon him in prayer enough or often fail to thank him for his goodness to you. It's not okay that you don't keep his word or hear or read or know it like you should. It's not okay that you listen to the wisdom and opinions of the world and believe and follow them more than God's truth. Not okay that you disobey your parents, despise your authorities, and speak unkindly of them, or that you will sin in order to please your family and friends. It's not okay that you harbor angry thoughts or hold on to bitterness and resentment or speak harshly of others. It's not okay that babies keep being murdered before they're born and you remain silent. It's not okay that you look at those pictures and fantasize in your mind and fail to speak out for God's design for marriage. Or that you think that how you use your sexuality with who and with how many is somehow up to you. It's not okay to take what is not yours, legally or not, or when you take advantage of others, or when you fail to help your neighbor in need, either because you're too busy or don't want to be inconvenienced or just flat out don't care. It's not okay when you gossip, betray, slander, or assume bad things about others. And those little white lies, they're not okay either. It's not okay that you're not content with what you have, but want more and want what others have, even at their expense. Or want God to give it to you now on your timing. It's not okay that you don't love your neighbor as yourself. Or even know half your neighbor's names. It's not okay that you think all this really doesn't matter. That God will somehow understand because, you know what, everyone else doesn't. It's not okay and you are not okay. Now, I think it's safe to say the confirmation students shouldn't have a problem finding the law in today's sermon, right? You know, but a lot of people didn't like Jeremiah for preaching that word. A lot of people didn't like Jesus for preaching that word. And maybe you don't like hearing that word either. But here's the thing, you shouldn't like it, really. God's word, as we heard from Jeremiah, is like a hammer. The, the law of God's word should, should hit you like a hammer. It should hurt, and that's good. It's good because if you think you can find your goodness in yourself and that you're doing okay, what will happen when that bubble bursts? 
and it will burst. What then? Bo Geertz wrote a story about that, about a man who everyone considered holy. It was unanimous. If there was ever a good Christian, this guy was it. But then he got sick. He got very sick. And on his deathbed, he was delirious, delirious, and all sorts of vile, evil things began coming out of his mouth. Awful things that he thought about other people. Sinful things he had done, but no one had known about. And the desires that were so wicked, they would have made Satan blush. The people were horrified. Not only at him, at this man they thought was holy, but really wasn't, but also for themselves. Was there hope for them? Would this also happen to them? Would everyone one day find out who they really were underneath the good, holy-looking appearance, underneath the appearance of peace and prosperity? You see, right there is the difference between the false prophets and Jeremiah, between those who would today preach peace and prosperity and those who preach Christ. The former produce good feelings and appearances that are deceptive at best and also temporary and fleeting. The latter, a faith and a hope that is true, that is solid, and that is lasting. For it's a faith and a hope that's not in yourself, right? It's not in what you do. It's not in your goodness. It's in the one who came to provide for you a righteousness that you could never achieve on your own. A goodness that does not depend on you. A righteous one who became unrighteous for you. So that you who are unrighteous might be righteous in him. And so, Jesus preached, he is that one. He is that one to hope in. Jesus said in our gospel text, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Now, he's not, talking, <laughs> he's not talking about his, his baptism in the, in the Jordan, right? That, that had already happened. But here he's talking about the baptism that was to come, his baptism of fire. And that baptism of fire is his cross, where he will put himself under the judgment of fire for you, judgment against your sin, suffering the torment of your condemnation, being forsaken by the Heavenly Father, and dying the cursed death that you and I deserve. To trade places with you. The righteous for the unrighteous. So that you who are not okay will be rescued from all that. And instead be healed and forgiven. And not just in appearance, but in truth, in reality. And in that forgiveness, in that forgiveness, we put our hope. We run the race. We live our lives every single day. Not in yourself, but in Christ. Not in what you do, but in what he did and what he is still doing for you. For as we heard from Hebrews this morning, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, for he is the founder and perfecter, or to put it another way, he's the start and the finish of our faith. That's what all those people 
in, in that chapter we heard about again this morning did. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, those who were stoned, those who were sawn in two, those killed with the sword. God promised them a savior. And though Jesus did not come in their lifetimes, they put their hope in him who was to come, in his goodness, in his rescue, in his healing, in his forgiveness. And they all received that by faith. As we heard about last week, it's the very same faith that you have. Faith in the one in whom they hoped that did not let them down. And he's not going to let you down either. Therefore, Hebrews tells us, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance, with perseverance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, just like they did. Looking not to yourself, not to your family, not to your deeds, Looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus in the water of baptism, which quenches the fires of hell. Looking to Jesus in his supper, which feeds and satisfies those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Looking to Jesus in the healing word of forgiveness. That word which heals the hammer blows of sin and death and gives us confidence and hope. Confidence and hope in him. To that which he has promised, he has done and delivered. For those saints in our epistle text, for us, and for all who put their hope in him. And then, then, only then, there is peace. There is true, persevering peace. A long-distance marathon, weight-shedding peace. And this peace looks to Jesus. We are running our race with a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. And that crowd now includes our sister in Christ, June Melton. That crowd of witnesses cheering us on, knowing that they face the same challenges that we face. And we are running. And, and as we are running, if our feet become weary, if our sides are aching, and we're gasping for breath, then let us look up. For just ahead of us on the track is one who has run this race before, the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is leading the way. Looking to Christ, we put one foot in front of the other. No matter what divisions or troubles happen to us in this life, knowing that he lifts us up. For it's the peace of knowing that it's not our holy living that, that wins the race, but rather the fact that the sin that disqualifies us has been taken away. And so you and I can now run, we can now live in joy, in freedom, and in confidence. Not just keeping up with appearances, but repenting and washing, eating and receiving holiness of our brother Jesus, being a member of his family. For that is the true persevering peace and prosperity that wins the race. Because when you have Jesus, you have everything. Amen.